it's the Pittsburgh Oddcast. Welcome to the Pittsburgh Oddcast. My name is Andrew Lindbergh. I'm the producer. And with me as always is Mr. Odd himself, the star of the program, John Chalkowski. Well, hello. What do you know about the history of Pittsburgh hockey? The Penguins have won five Stanley Cups. Okay, that's good. Um, did hockey history begin with the Penguins? That I know is not true. What do you know? There was a team called the Hornets before then, oh, and the I know the Shamrocks. Okay, the Pittsburgh Shamrocks. That's good. But what if I told you that there wasn't just the Pittsburgh Hornets or the Pittsburgh Shamrocks, but in fact, um, 16 other teams. 16 professional hockey teams in Pittsburgh? Yes. Professional. These aren't amateur. Well, I mean, I technically are considered in the amateur leagues, uh, with the exception of the Pittsburgh Pirates, who played in the NHL. Uh, but let me go back and explain. Pittsburgh, the history of sports in Pittsburgh is phenomenal. I mean, you could talk about the first World Series, uh, the invention of the first person ever paid to play football that happened here in Pittsburgh. Pudge Heffelfinger. Pudge Huffelfinger, yes. Pudge Huffelfinger. Uh, but what a lot of people don't know or don't realize is how deep our city's connection is to the history of hockey in general and how Pittsburgh was a location some could consider the birthplace of professional hockey. Not Canada. Not Canada. Oh, <laughs> yes. Those are fighting words right there yeah, from a hockey five fan. five minutes right there. <laughs> yes. So let me go back in time, okay, all the way back to 1895. Let me just clarify for any Canadians listening. We're not saying that Pittsburgh is the birthplace of hockey. No. That's, no. that's still Canada. Okay. Well, actually, it would be ancient Egypt. So, oh, okay. uh, you know, there uh, there's is paintings, you know, and hieroglyphics of people playing some form of like a stickball game going all the way back to ancient Egypt. Uh, ice hockey, Canada. Right, on ice. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. Ice hockey, yes. Canadian. It's Canadian birth. Um, Lord Stanley would, is not turning off his grave yet. <laughs> so travel back with me to 1895. Pittsburgh, a booming industrial town. Uh, has the Pittsburgh Pirates playing here, okay, a nationally known team, of course. Uh, there was no Pittsburgh Steelers, but there were many different professional organizations playing football. And uh, we even had early basketball games here, college basketball games. The first college basketball game to ever happen. That happened here in Pittsburgh. That's a story for another day. But uh, we go back to um, this man named Christopher McGee. Okay, now McGee Woman's Hospital was donated by him. Uh, Elizabeth Steele McGee was his mother. Okay, that's uh, what the hospital is named after. But he owned a lot of property, and uh, he invested heavily into the, the trolley systems and the and the railroads here in Pittsburgh, and uh, was able to have enough money to kind of reinvest in some kind of new, different uh, event arenas. You know, we, we had an exposition building where they did have some um, early um, kind of indoor sports, you know, but not nothing like hockey. I mean, it was more like, um, you know, uh, just different things that were going on there or, or events that you could have, you know, uh, Roller skating and and uh, other I just, amusements. I just picture the kids with the uh, stick with the wheel. That yes, they would, okay. everybody. Yeah, you rent the stick at the that door. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and the uh, but the uh, or the big penny far things, right? The big bicycles. So uh, just went around in a circle indoors. You know, well, he had the idea to create this place they called the Pittsburgh 
casino. Now, when I say the word casino, I'm not talking about your traditional, you know, slot machine. The Rivers. The Rivers Casino. Yeah, I'm talking about a, a, a an entertainment venue that offers musicals and operas and, um, and, and, and roller skating and other different type of indoor things you could do. And this man named James Conant uh, was hired, uh, who was an experienced already kind of amusement professional here in Pittsburgh, was hired by this Christopher McGee to come and run this place they were building called the Pittsburgh Casino, and this place was in Oakland. In fact, if you looked at the outfield wall where Forest Field used to be, right behind that wall is basically where the Pittsburgh Casino once stood. Um, this James Conant, uh, visiting Canada and, and knowing about the game of hockey, uh, said, you know what, I think their technology might exist here in Pittsburgh, you know, with all our industrial fortitude, that we could create uh, for the first time ever, uh, indoor ice surface so people could ice skate. And, uh, you know, so if it's bad weather outdoors or raining or something like this, you could come here to our place and ice skate whenever you felt like. So an artificial ice surface. Right. And not in not the just sense a- that it's not a lake or pond. Correct. And, uh, not just any artificial ice surface, the world's first artificial ice surface. And this was actually done. Uh, this was done in 1895. He comes here and uh, they they build it. How you do that, by the way, is with aluminum pipes underneath the ground, and you pump it with like an antifreeze solution, and slowly like cool down the temperature while pouring water in there, and it freezes the water, and it keeps it cold with big engines and things like this that are running behind the scenes. Um, they did that, and uh, they people started coming here. The different college teams, like Pitt, University of Pittsburgh and Duquesne University, and other team, you know, uh, colleges and universities around and kind of renting time on the ice and just uh, seeing what happened. At the time, they would play polo outdoors, but uh, they decided to bring that indoors and uh, experiment on this brand-new artificial ice surface. Uh, Word soon got out, though, and reached Canada that this artificial ice surface existed here in a little town in Pittsburgh and that they were wanted to come down here uh, to Pittsburgh and challenge our little ice polo team that were playing with a ball you know, on the ice. Uh, and these people that came down here from Toronto and uh, decided to uh, challenge our men to an exposition that would be open to the public and come see our boys, right, play against theirs at a game of hockey for the first time ever. This happened in 1895 here in Pittsburgh. And this is with a puck, not a ball. They're playing not They made a deal. Polo. Yeah, they've actually made a deal that they would play their game of polo uh, one round, and then the next round we played with a puck and hockey as traditionally was played. Uh, they did have different positions. They had like two centers and they had a couple other different things that no longer exist. But the concept of the game was always there. And uh, and it was a rough game. It wasn't like some kind of kid's game. You know, people were killed on the ice. It was This was not a uh, a nice, friendly sport <laughs> to play. Uh, in fact, uh, some of our players were killed on the ice. And I'll, I'll get into that. But... Um, so 1895, they come around, they challenge this team and they offer that after they show them this game of hockey, that we'll combine the teams together and we'll play against each other again, a third game. And this time we'll play hockey, except we'll teach you how to play. And, uh, they did this event and, uh, they tried to, you know, see how fun it was. It was instantly successful. People instantly loved this thing. Uh, people that were already here in town started, I mean, flooding the gates. It was sold out from day one. 
uh, it just became this fascination of playing this kind of really fast sport on ice, you know, which was never seen before in Pittsburgh and very limited in North America in general. Uh, so, I mean, in Canada, it was a you know national sport. I mean, there's people grew up playing this type of thing. So, um, Pittsburgh being Pittsburgh, uh, decided to, after these people left and went back to Canada, uh, decided to make their own team. Right. And they called themselves the casino team. And, uh, their colors were red and black were the first two colors. Uh, and, uh, they decided to put kind of like open challenges out there to have any college in in Pittsburgh, challenge them to games and see if they could beat them or not. And they opened this competitions up to the Pittsburgh athletic club, uh, the Duquesne athletic club, uh, the university of, uh, Western university of Pennsylvania, which later became university of Pittsburgh. So are these other teams playing hockey, but they're playing outside on uh-huh. lawns and stuff? Right. Okay. So they bring them into this to this new arena, you know, that they create this Pittsburgh casino, which is very few photos of, uh, although they do exist. And how I found the photos of the interior of the Pittsburgh casino were from an ice and refrigeration magazine from 1896. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Probably the most popular magazine then. Yeah, refrigeration monthly, right? And so, uh, but that did exist. Check yeah. out those condensers. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. What kind of coolant are you using? But those photos do exist, and they are pretty incredible to see what this place looked like. Where it gets interesting is that word started to spread in Canada that this kind of upstart in Pittsburgh was starting this revolutionary indoor game, and you could play in the middle of summer and go play ice hockey if you were to move here to Pittsburgh. And um, no sooner did they start coming up with the idea that, hey, maybe it's a good idea I should move down here and see if I can get a job working down here and and um, you know, start playing ice hockey. Did the casino on a rainy November night, that same year that it first was founded, exploded? It blew up. Blew up. And uh, the ice condensers were the cause of it. Mm. Uh, the machine and the technology was just so new and so um, unique, and just not really kind of experimental. You know that 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 it just went up in flames, and the place burned down to the ground. Wow. That sounds like the movie Sudden Death, a hundred years before it was made. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, what do you do? You know, now by this time, okay, in November of when it blows up, right? And the people in Pittsburgh were hooked. I mean, they wanted to see hockey every night, and uh, to get people from Canada coming down here now and wanting to, you know, participate in the games was something that was different than most other sports, different than baseball or different than football whereas mainly college-based sports. Um, for the first time now, they decided to uh, – Christopher McGee, that same guy we go back way back to that, that guy who owned all that money and uh, McGee Woman's Hospital is named after. He also owned this Duquesne Traction Company, which was like a big warehouse that was on Craig Street in Oakland. Like before you got to the Carnegie Museums, it was like right there in, uh, on Craig Street. And uh, he converted that into a, an indoor ice arena, and they called it the Duquesne Garden. Now, the Duquesne Garden, or Gardens, with an S, because <laughs> uh, it's spelled both ways, uh, became the, uh, I mean, an amazing, not only did they put the artificial ice and surface in there a little bit even better, it's the same year, 1896 now, the next year, but they extended it so it would make it the world's largest indoor ice surface. Uh, the, the arena being twice as long as some of the ones that the Canadians were used to playing in. Uh, that being the case, when these people started coming down here to play our teams, they were not used to playing in such a big arena that a lot of times they would lose. But the Canadians soon realized 
what was going on and wanted to join in with the fun. Well, how close is the size of the Duquesne Gardens to compared to today's? It would be about rinks. A, I'd say a third larger. Okay, so the Duquesne rings. Gardens was larger than what we have today, professional yeah, hockey. Yeah, yeah, much larger than a regulation sized uh, hockey rink. And um, what made this kind of uh, fascinating is that the Canadians were coming down here and now uh, getting jobs here in Pittsburgh factories or wherever they could get a job and playing hockey on the side here in Pittsburgh and joining up with some of these teams and teams like the Duquesne Athletic Club or the Western University of Pennsylvania, which WUP was the, uh, you know, on their jerseys. But they had all these other teams start to form, right? The Pittsburgh Keystones, the Pittsburgh Bankers, who were people that worked at a bank and were paid to, like, do that and then would play hockey at night. The all-star Pittsburgh team, right? The Pittsburgh Victorias, the Pittsburgh Professionals, the Pittsburgh Pirates, 1907 Pirates. This is before the NHL team. This is before the NHL team. Uh, the Pittsburgh Lyceums, the Pittsburgh Yellow Jackets, who actually played hockey for 20 years, stopped, and then came back and played it again. Uh, the Fort Pitt Hornets, different from the regular Hornets. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, which okay, which were came out around 1925. Okay, but I'm jumping way ahead. The Shamrocks were after that, and then the Hornets and the Penguins. That's your kind of evolution of the timeline of all the different teams uh, that were performing. Although, uh, one thing to mention is during the initial game against the Canadians, where the Pittsburgh, uh, this would have been the Pittsburgh Athletic Club that was playing against them, they decided while they were good on the ice, they weren't really as good as a female figure skater. So they hired this woman named Pauline to be the center of their team, like, like Sidney Crosby's position, you know, or Marilyn Lemieux, the center of yeah. the team. And she was skating around everybody, you know, that was there in the whole ice, ice arena and even scored the only goal for that game. So it's a, uh, it's crazy. A lot of people think that they didn't keep score or something for back then. They did. And you could track all this information down day by day in the newspapers, which I did. I went day by day in this particular case, uh, going to 1895, type in hockey, just look at everything that came up or type in an, casino or just one single word and you you start uncovering these stories which have literally been lost to time which are not on any kind of record books and when i say this one of the teams i mentioned here the pittsburgh keystones 1895 to 1903 is how long this team played their colors were blue and white they hired people from canada to come and play for the team because one thing that pittsburgh knows what to do right is that um you know they had the fortitude to, to pay players and to have the money to back it up with people that were willing to invest in some kind of new sport and new technology. And um, they would easily hire the best hockey players in the world to come down here to Pittsburgh to play on our teams. By this time, by like early 1900s, other cities started catching on to this whole kind of hockey thing. And you had like Detroit and Philadelphia and New York and, you know, all the big ones, you know, Chicago and all those different cities around the United States. And it started becoming like unfair almost to the fact that Pittsburgh was getting all the best players. And when I say the best players, so all these teams, you add them all up. Okay, this is everything before the Penguins. So I'm not including the Penguins at all. Out of all those teams, 250 people who played for them. Now I'm estimating because I think the actual number is 243, but, uh, but actually could be more. I know it's at least 240. People who played on all these teams in Pittsburgh, the Shamrocks, the Fort Pitt Horse. I'll, take you, I'll give you the Shamrocks for example. 
14 people who played on the Pittsburgh Shamrocks team, which only played for one season, are currently in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Now, if you add it up, 240-plus people who played for Pittsburgh teams, 240 of those people are in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So a lot of these people played for Pittsburgh before they joined, like the Canadians or the Bruins. Exactly. Some people were just as big here right here in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Bankers, like, they sound like a goofy you know, goofy name, Yeah. but uh, they're world champions. I mean, they won the Cup in 1902. You know, so it was a, uh, they, they created the, they won the Stanley cup or they won not their the Stanley champion. cup. So the, the Stanley cup was only around since like world war one era, you know, time. Yeah. You 1917. Or yeah. It's not like that, that old. Yeah. So there's other cups, you know, um, how it worked. There was no professional organization. So first of all, if you go back into the early history of hockey, uh, Canadians considered it an insult to be paid to play the game. It was considered a purely amateur sport. And for you to be paid anything was almost breaking, like, Canadian law, right? And it was uh, possibly the worst thing you could do. And uh, that team, that Pittsburgh Keystones, that played here from uh, 1895 to 1903 at the Duquesne Gardens, uh, offered to find these people from Canada, right, and pay them to play hockey here in Pittsburgh. That transaction, which there's an actual transaction that exists, and it's in the newspapers, proves that Pittsburgh, and specifically this team, the Keystones, were the first hockey organization to ever exist to pay someone to play the game, which means that Pittsburgh is the birthplace of professional hockey. Being paid to do something, you become a professional. professional. So it's like, uh, that's not even where it ends. Pittsburgh Keystones were also the first people to ever trade a player to a different team, <laughs> right? You go later in life, right, back to, you know, the Fort Pitt Hornets and these Pittsburgh Pirates and all these other teams that were playing here in Pittsburgh. Um, the, uh, you know, back in the, the around your, the, the whole ice rink, right, it was usually held by, like, chain link fence is kind of what the backing was. A company here in Pittsburgh named Herculite came up with this idea of shatterproof glass. They tested that for the first time here in Pittsburgh at the Duquesne Gardens. Well, that's where it all started. <laughs> they still use the same glass today. So many innovations came out from the Pittsburgh hockey that it's it's almost mind-blowing. Now, if you just Google with the birthplace of professional hockey or Google the first trade ever or Google the first Olympic team. So 1920, we formed our own Olympic team here in Pittsburgh that went and actually competed in the Olympics. In 1920, the first hockey team to ever do so. Uh, we came in second place uh, the United States. Uh, we got a silver medal. The Canadians came in first. There are only two teams. <laughs> you know, we did that all that here first. It really is, without a doubt, the birthplace of professional hockey. It does not get that credit. You know, we are a hockey town more than anything else. You know, we could talk I – mean, baseball, you're going to see there's a lot of elder baseball firsts and a lot of baseball records. Uh, but it's not where baseball began. You know, and it's not where – the first person ever paid to play the game, although we we did do that with football, like we mentioned, but uh, we did that with hockey too, hmm. uh, and people just don't know. So another interesting fact is uh, some very, very famous players played their very last games here in Pittsburgh. A man named Hobie Baker played here, and he was one of the, the like the Sidney Crosby of his day, uh, tragically killed pretty early on in his life. Uh, he played here for Pittsburgh. Um, at the Pittsburgh Hornets, right, they played since 1936, all the way up until 1967. So that's, you know, that's a huge chunk of history, 30 years. Up until the Penguins. Yeah, up until the Penguins. Their last year, um, 
so we were the amateur league. We we're called the uh, the uh, they had a championship. It's the equivalent of the Stanley Cup called the Calder Cup, and we won that championship our last season, 1967. Like we won it. All these different teams. I mean, all had some kind of fantastic story about them. I mean, the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1925 uh, were awarded an actual NHL contract to the city of Pittsburgh. Now, NHL is just one of many other types of things and organizations that were around at the time. You had the IHL, the International Hockey League, the National Hockey League, the Western Pennsylvania Hockey League, which was the first hockey league ever. So it all predates the NHL. NHL came around 19, or same like after World War One. It's interesting to see like all these different, you wouldn't call it minor league. They weren't minors, you know, yeah. they weren't like, these were the top players in the game. Well, you mentioned that year, 1925, when the Pittsburgh Pirates NHL team, mm. they actually went to the playoffs and yeah. I believe they lost in the first or second round to the eventual Stanley Cup champions, the mm-hmm. uh, Montreal Maroons, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Montreal Maroons. <laughs> so first playoff run for an NHL team in Pittsburgh, 1925. 1925, not, you know, whatever it was, you know, when we had the for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But, I mean, it just goes to show you how deep that history goes. I mean, it goes back over 100 years. Unwritten. It's not written down. I could literally, well, I actually might write a book about the history of hockey because there's so much to tell, so many stories, so many facts and interesting things, different players and just who they were. And like I said before, like people were killed, literally killed on the ice. Pittsburgh was known as one of the roughest cities to play hockey in. That, you know, you you couldn't be some kind of chump, right? You had needed to really have some guts to play against our team because we did men business. Like you could die. <laughs> you know what I mean? We were... Uh, it was cool. And then uh, uh, another thing that gets lost to time is that, so I mentioned all these other teams, right? Uh, but there were also three female hockey teams here in Pittsburgh. Well, actually, it's more than that, really. There's four or five. There's actually five if you count the current day ones. But if I go back in history, there was three prominent uh, female hockey teams. Uh, one called the Winter Garden Girls. Another one called the Polar Maids. Another one, the Arctic Girls, right? And they all fought around World War One. So now, there's probably because most of the men were fighting in the war, and they kind of like a league of their own, um, you know, hired women to come start playing hockey here in Pittsburgh. But the, they were just as rough and just as you know serious about the game as any man would be. And uh, I mean, wouldn't it be cool to see like a league of their own, but? Uh, uh, hockey version of fe- from the turn of the century. That's a movie that needs to get made. Yeah, can you imagine? I mean, uh, and their stories are great. And the biggest accomplishment I felt that I've ever completed, right, when it comes to researching the history of our city uh, or these sports, Pittsburgh sports teams, is that nobody has ever found a photo of every single one of these teams. Every single one of them, all three female teams, the Pittsburgh Casino teams, the Keystones, the Bankers, there's bits and pieces of some of these teams. You might have a photo of one player of the team that might exist currently on the internet, or if you Google Pittsburgh Casino as a prime example, you will not find on Google a photo of the Pittsburgh Casino team. That took a lot of work. And I tell you what I had to do. I had to go to the Heinz History Center. Uh, there's diaries and journals kept there. I found this old scrapbook from 1896 that somebody put together. And uh, sure enough, there's uh, newspapers that have not been scanned online. And uh, one of them, I believe, was the Sun Telegraph that this photo appeared in. Sure enough, in front of me, you know, was a 
the first photo anyone has ever seen since it was published of this Pittsburgh casino team, the Pittsburgh's first hockey team. Hmm. And uh, while it's not the greatest of all photos, it's going to, you know, fuzzy. It's going to win the Pulitzer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, you know, an old newspaper, you know, photo, but it's a photo nonetheless. And um, tracking those down have made it uh, such a journey and such a cool experience to really dig deep and to try to find who these people were. I even tried to try to uh, find photos of them every single year that they were in existence. It's crazy, but the... Uh, yeah, no one's ever put it together. And I don't mean, I'm not saying that in an egotistical way. I'm just saying that's the facts. Yeah, nobody has ever compiled it all. People have tried, uh, but it's just the technology wasn't there. And technology is now on our side. Now, these are things you can, these are photos you can see on your Facebook page? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you're, you're hopefully, <laughs> you, know, you know, you follow the page. If you don't, go on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Follow Odd Pittsburgh. Okay, just Google that even. You'll find on that page. Uh, you can actually search. If you go to the post section, there's a search box that pops up. You can just type in the word hockey. You'd be pretty surprised what you're going to find. Stuff that extremely rare. It's exclusive to the page. Stuff that will blow your mind. And that's the kind of stuff you can hear every single week on the Pittsburgh Oddcast on kdkradio.com and radio.com. My name is Andrew Lindbergh. I'm the producer of the program. And I am John Sholkowski, your odd, mysterious host. And we will see you next time. That's it for Pit.